and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt, I'm a mindset and habit coach, and over the past few episodes, I have been attempting to answer the question, how good is it possible to feel? The reason that I wanted to answer that question is because I have been doing an awful lot of things in my life to help me balance mood, to help me feel in control, to help me build resilience and weather the tough stuff, all the things we talk about on the podcast, definitely to help me be a better role model to my kids. The things I have found to help are the things I have spoken about in the podcast previously, giving up alcohol or significantly reducing your intake, having some kind of morning practice that helps center you, set your intentions, and definitely having some kind of stillness practice where you spend some time in silence, you spend some time just letting your thoughts calm, and then you also spend some time moving your body and getting a little bit of energy moving, I guess. So I've been doing all of that stuff for years, but I still find my moods can be up and down, my energy can be low, I often feel in the middle of the day like I just want to go to sleep. And I was thinking, what the hell? I should, by rights, be feeling on top of the world. So that was the thought process behind beginning the series and trying to answer that question. But a couple of weeks ago, I decided to invest in something called Mineral Check, and that has been a game changer. So in this episode, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I've learned and why doing something like this could change the game for you as well. Before I tell you everything that's involved in a mineral check, how it's done, what it is, and all of that, I wanted to let you know that this is not a paid promotion or an advert of any kind. This is something that was recommended to me by a friend, and I went off and did it, and the results have proved revelatory for me. Or maybe I should say the report has proved revelatory, because it's shown me that many of the things I thought were healthy and were doing me a lot of good may in fact be causing some of the problems that I've been experiencing. So before I go into all of that, let me just give you the details of the test itself. I bought it through a website called mineralcheck.com. It's run by a lady called Karen Watkins, who I've since spoken to, and she's going to come on the podcast and talk to us a little bit more about the test and what it looks for and what the results can tell us. The test I did was called a hair sample test. So it did involve cutting a little bit of my hair off and it's kind of from the back of my head right near the roots. So you have to kind of shear off a little bit. It is a small amount. It's not visible depending on how short your hair is. And then you send that away for analysis. I actually videoed myself cutting my hair and only when I watched the video back did I realize I'd actually cut away much more than A, I thought I had cut away and B, I needed. So yeah, it's a very small hair sample. It's not anything to concern yourself about. Before I go into everything that the report has shown me, I first want to tell you a little bit about some of the things that I was doing in my efforts to live a healthy life, because I hazard that for many of you, you'll be doing the same things or many of the same things. The first thing I was doing is having a fresh vegetable juice every day. And I was making that out of things like kale and broccoli. I had taken fruit out of the juice because I thought, well, my insulin levels will spike if I have too much sugar. So I had removed fruit and was just having vegetables. Actually, my dirty little secret around that is I felt like I wanted to save the sugars and insulin spikes for other things, the bad things. The second thing I was doing is having a mountain of salad at lunchtime. So I would have kind of chopped up lettuce, chopped up spinach, 
Usually I'd have some nuts and seeds. I'd have maybe blue cheese or goat's cheese or something as my topping. Not very much because obviously it's not the healthiest of foods, but just something so that every now and again I'd get a little bite of something that was really delicious. I'd put avocado on there and then I would use organic, fresh, extra virgin olive oil for the dressing. Sometimes with a small amount of balsamic vinegar, sometimes just the oil. At dinner, I had made some changes too. Not really so much for health reasons, but more for social reasons. I'd read and seen so much about farming and fishing that made me think, God, I mean, that's just full of trash as well. So even if it seems healthy, it probably isn't. I was looking at the growth hormones in meat and I was looking at the plastics in fish and also just the horrendous practices of the fishing industry and thinking I should probably steer clear of all of that. And then for some of the meals that my kids would have, you know, sausages and fish and chips and stuff like that, that I just wouldn't eat those things. So what I had started doing was reducing our meat intake. We pretty much cut fish. The kids don't like it anyway, unless it comes in some sort of lump with breadcrumbs on it. And then when we did have meat, I just didn't eat it. I would load up my plate with vegetables instead and maybe do like a sweet potato or if I was gonna have any meat, just a really small amount. My husband was forever saying, it's not enough food, you hardly eat anything. And I was like, but I'm not really hungry. I don't even know why I'm bothering to eat because I'm just not even hungry. Despite all that veg, I was tired a lot of the time. If I felt really, really sluggish, then depending on how I felt, I would either make another vegetable juice or I would reach for the less healthy snacks. I would have a biscuit or I would have a couple of licorice all sorts or a piece of chocolate or something like that. But what I also found was that during the day, my energy levels would dip and I would feel quite tired. And if I was stuck doing something at work, maybe either recording a podcast or writing a blog or doing something that required creativity and required focus, but those were dipping, then again, I would go downstairs and I would eat something sweet. Never masses. You know, we're talking one biscuit or one bite of something, not huge amounts. And in my mind, those small transgressions were kind of offset by all the other healthy stuff that I was doing. So I figured, you know, it can't do any harm, can it? Turns out it can, but it wasn't just the bad stuff that was causing problems. So hopefully that gives you a sense of why I was thinking, what else do I have to do? I mean, I'm practically living by the textbook of a little of what you like is okay, everything else keep healthy. Well, when I got the report, everything kind of fell into place as to why I still feel quite so crappy a lot of the time. So the report is about 12 pages long and the first two pages, just a series of graphs. So when you first look at it, you kind of think, oh my God, why did I even bother to pay for this? Because none of that makes any sense. I don't even know what I'm looking at. But as you begin to read, it sort of puts the numbers into context and then you understand what you're seeing. The first thing my report said is that I have a slow metabolism. It goes on to explain that slow metabolism can be caused by diet, it can be caused by endocrine function, which is your thyroid, it can be caused by something wrong in your digestive tract, so your body isn't actually absorbing the nutrients from the food you're taking in, or viral infections. At this stage, of course, the thing that's most in my hands is diet, so that's where my attention goes. And in this case, it says that dietary factors such as low protein intake, haha, skipping the meat, having only little bits of cheese on my salad and everything else is just vegetables. Well, that could do it. Then the next thing is high carbohydrate intake, particularly refined carbohydrates, 
Which reminds me, I left out one fundamental thing that I have every single day, or at least I used to have every single day, which was a slice of sourdough toast with almond butter and banana. It's my favorite, favorite thing in the world. And every day after the school run, around nine o'clock, I would put that bread in the toaster and I would think, oh, yay, my favorite. So the carbohydrate intake could be, again, I thought one piece of toast, but when you add that to all the little one bite here, one bite there, one biscuit here, one biscuit there, visits to the junk cupboard, which is what we call it in our house, it adds up. So right in that first assessment, my diet was already a bit backwards because I need protein for a metabolism that works and there's hardly any in my diet. And I need less carbohydrate, definitely less refined carbohydrate in my diet. As we know from the conversation last week with Hannah from the Gut Clinic, these things affect our ability to digest. What we put into our bodies makes a difference to how our bodies perform. And so digestion, when it's not working properly, what it says in the report is poor absorption and utilization of nutrients found in the foods that are consumed will result in decreased energy production on a cellular level, thereby affecting metabolism. So that makes metabolism slower. In turn, a lowered metabolic rate will have an adverse effect upon digestive process, thereby creating a vicious cycle. So again, it's helped me understand that when I feel crappy, I eat foods that help me feel better, but those foods are affecting digestion, which feeds low metabolism, which makes me feel worse, which makes me eat more of the wrong foods. Or at least that's what was happening until I got the report and have since made some changes. So that alone was a game changer. And so far we're only on page two of the report. The next thing I found out was that my calcium level is elevated. At this point, I should say I have done a lot of learning about diet. I have been obsessed with food almost my entire life. I've got shelves full of books about food and nutrition, about hormone balance, about all kinds of things. And at no point has calcium registered as something to be aware of for being too high. Probably if I go back to those books and re-read some of the content, I'm probably going to find that there is information in there, but I just didn't register it as being important. But here's what's also really, really fascinating. High tissue calcium does not necessarily indicate excessive calcium, but rather the calcium is not being properly utilized. So what that basically means is when your body can't use the calcium properly, it just stores it in your tissues, and that is not meant to happen. Then it goes on to say, proper utilization is often dependent upon calcium's relationship with other minerals such as phosphorus and magnesium. A deficiency of either or both can result in excessive calcium deposits into tissues other than the primary storage sites of calcium, which are the bones and teeth. Now, considering I don't have wild amounts of calcium in my diet, the likelihood is that my body is not able to absorb it. And the mineral check report goes on to show that the relationships between my calcium levels and phosphorus and magnesium are off. So that's where the problem is. It's phosphorus and magnesium that are causing a problem with calcium. You see how complicated this gets. Now, I won't go into masses of detail about every single thing that's in the report, but what it does is it goes to show relationships between certain minerals and other minerals and how one affects the other and therefore what might be happening in your body and what you can expect. In terms of elevated calcium, Symptoms of this being a problem include joint stiffness, muscle cramps, fatigue, kidney stones, 
premature aging of skin, depression, anemia, insomnia, and gallstones. So just right there, I have three of the things that I've been struggling with for, well, most of my adult life. Fatigue, depression, and insomnia. Could that have been the problem all along? The report makes a series of dietary recommendations to help rebalance some of these mineral imbalances. And it's these lists of foods that caused me to want to record this podcast episode because what it showed me is that there is no such thing as a healthy diet until you know what's a healthy diet for your body. So here are some of the things that are on the list of foods I must cut or dramatically reduce from my diet. All of these things were things I ate because I thought they were good for me. Cabbage, walnuts, cauliflower, kale, almonds, hazelnuts, broccoli, coconut oil, avocado. Avocado! It's supposed to be a blooming superfood, but it's on my list of things to cut out. Some of those foods are on my list because they contribute to low thyroid function, which contributes to low metabolism. Other foods are on my list because fat metabolism is a problem when your metabolism isn't working properly and your digestive system isn't working properly. So even healthy fats can become really difficult for the body to digest and for a while need to be cut out. So it doesn't mean I can't eat those foods. And if you do this test, it won't mean that foods that you love will go forever, but it just gives you a sense of what your body is capable of doing, what it is doing right now, and how well that's serving you. To help rebalance, I've been given a list of foods that I need to eat more of. And again, there are some foods on here that I had avoided, like dates and raisins because of their high sugar content. But because they're high in potassium, which is needed to bring down those excess calcium levels, I can now eat them at least for a limited time until my body regulates itself. So that's where I'll leave it with regards to the information that the report has given me. But I wanted to share that with you because one of the things I have always found, and I'm sure you find the same thing, is that my ability to be the person I want to be, the person I intend to be, the playful, kind, patient mom, the loving, attentive wife, the professional, energetic, creative, and helpful trainer and coach, all of these roles require energy and they require commitment. And when I feel less than, when I feel like all I want to do is crawl into bed and go back to sleep, it's harder for me to show up in the ways I want to in my life. I think we've all been led to treat our bodies and our minds as though they are two separate things. And I think that that has led us down a road that hasn't been helpful. When we struggle with depression, we think that's a mind problem. We don't tend to look in the body for the answer. We don't tend to think about the effects that our foods are having on things like thyroid function and digestion. But ultimately, those things determine what our brains get access to in terms of chemical balances. And that's a big contributor to conditions like depression. Those things also change how we sleep, which changes how much energy we have in the day. And sleep is such a huge part of how good it's possible to feel. So I think no matter where you are in your mental health and wellness journey, you have to look at your mind and your body as being part of the same team. You can't improve one without involving the other. 
So if low energy or low mood or just erratic moods are things that you struggle with, if depression is something you struggle with, then I hope this episode has given you another stone to turn, somewhere else to look, that may give you some answers that are helpful. I'm only three days into my new lifestyle choices, so it's a bit early to say how well they're working, but I will say I had less energy dips yesterday, so... Even day two was already slightly better than before. As I mentioned, I will be talking to Karen Watkins from mineralcheck.com on a later episode of the podcast. So if you have questions for her, then do visit bighappylife.co.uk and you'll be able to post your questions on the comments section of the show notes page. You can get direct access to the show notes page just by clicking the link in the blurb where you found this podcast. If you'd like to do your own hair analysis test, you can visit mineralcheck.com and you can order the test there. It takes a couple of days to arrive and then you just send off your hair sample and you get the results back in about 10 days. You pay at the time of ordering the kit and when I did mine, I paid £69. So that's everything to tell you with regards to hair analysis and how it has shaped the next step in my health journey. I hope that's been beneficial to you. I hope it gives you somewhere else to look that will give you another answer that will help you take another step forward. I'd absolutely love to hear from you with comments and questions. You can comment or ask questions at all the usual places. You can do that via the show notes page at bighappylife.co.uk. You can also visit Facebook and go on to Big Happy Life page to leave your comments or questions there. And you can email me natalie at bighappylife.co.uk. If you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review. And if you have friends or family who would benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it far and wide. For now, though, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.